Eggnog is real simple too. It's basically just like eggs and milk and sugar and alcohol. Yeah, it sounds great. Yeah, that's basically like a cake. It if is. you take out the flour, you know that's what? pretty much a, you're pretty much drinking an alcohol cake. <laughs> what a great assessment. Yeah, that's I I enjoy that. All right. So now when you say, "Do you like eggnog?" You can just respond with, "Do you like cake?" <laughs> because it's the same thing. You just drink it instead. Yeah. Subtract the flour. You got eggnog. That's probably what happened. Somebody probably <laughs> tried to make a cake. They forgot the flour. Forgot. <laughs> and it nothing happened. And they're like, "What is this?" They were well, prob- let's try and taste it. Oh, yeah. this is good. They're- and they were drunk, which is why they forgot. So then they poured alcohol in yeah. it. And they're like. What? It's a miracle. Yep, done. Christmas miracle. Christmas miracle. <laughs> Too drunk to bake a cake. Yeah, just you just yeah you just blend one instead. <laughs> Very cool. Alrighty. So we're doing uh, the Fujis. Yeah. Starting off with this. Yeah, let's get into I, it. I have thoughts, man. Welcome to the Get Wrecked Podcast. Get Yeah, get wrecked. We're two buds who sit around, and uh, each week we take turns recommending some of our favorite pop culture hits, uh, hidden gems, and oddities. Yeah, doesn't have to be anything in particular. goes from movies to music to podcasts to maybe I'll make Thor do a one-shot session of the cyberpunk role-playing game. Yeah. Oh, I actually did see, uh, like, read a review of that. It looked pretty cool. Yeah. It, it's a, it, we'll have to give it a try. There's a lot to do. Um, so what are we going over today, Thor? Alrighty. So today, um, it was my recommendation for Micah that he listen to the 1990s hip-hop group, The Fugees, and the two albums that make up their entire discography. Um, 1994's Blunted on Reality. And 1996's uh, massive hit, The Score. So, as always, uh, if you're not particularly up to date on the Fugees, have never listened to the Fugees, now would be a good time to pause and come on back. Because we are going to be digging in and getting into some detail. But uh, before we get into it, full disclosure, I'm going to try to kind of deep dive a little bit into some history and things uh you know with the fujis and kind of how they came about and their story i am not a huge hip-hop fan i really love like old school hip-hop especially like late 80s early 90s but i'm not an expert by any means i'm not super knowledgeable uh so I'm going to do my best. I might get some stuff wrong, so I apologize ahead of time. Yeah. I'm, and Micah won't even know if I'm wrong. So he'll just be like, oh, yeah, totally cool. That totally, sounds right. Yep, that sounds great. Because <laughs> my knowledge of rap is even less. Um, it consists of I enjoyed Eminem. Uh, I knew the song Tricky by Run DMC. I know that I don't like the Beastie Boys. And <laughs> beyond that, it, it gets even more laughable because I'm probably aware of more Christian rappers than I am actual rappers. Not that Christian rappers aren't actual rappers, but like mainstream. But Christian rappers aren't actual rappers. Yeah, let's <laughs> like main, I'll say it. Mainstream media, secular artists that are on the charts. I don't know who they are, um, but I can tell you who KJ52 is and Grits, you know. I've heard of them because of my wife. Yeah. She occasionally will... Uh, Hit me with some KJ52 lyrics. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they weren't bad. They weren't bad. You know, you dip your toes into into, into all sorts of stuff when you're yeah. a teenager. All right. So, Fuji's. What did you think? First impressions, what did you think? So, I started listening to... I listened to their second album first, uh, The Score. And I listened to their first album then after that. And the immediate reaction that I had listening to the f- second album was um i really it one it's not something that i think i would have ever picked up and listened ever uh i knew the killing me softly song and i knew ready or not 
but I just knew the 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 hook. Just the choruses, yeah. yeah. Yeah, just the choruses, just the hooks of those. So it was really interesting listening to it. I really liked the background beats quite a bit. Some of their stuff reminded me of, there's an anime called Samurai Champloo. I don't know if you're familiar with it at I've, all. I'm... I'm uh, I'm aware of it. I've yeah. never seen it. So the intro to Samurai Champloo has rap music playing in the uh, intro. Okay. And the kind of uh, the record fuzz that was on a lot of that album is really prevalent in the opening. So it gave me a lot of vibes from that. And it gave me a lot of vibes of another rapper called Deltron 3000. Another Christian rapper? No, actually. Okay. This guy... <laughs> Deltron, Deltron 3000. That's right. That's the year Christ is going to come back. Uh, <laughs> you, you go through all the normal years, and then you get to the Deltron years. You have to get to 3000. Okay. There you go. And then Kingdom of Heaven. Yes, Got it. and then Kingdom of Heaven. Yep. It's right there, <laughs> right there in the Book of Revelations. Um, Deltron 3000 was actually the rapper for the Gorillas. Oh, okay. In, in, in their first album. A little bit in the second album. Like, after they started getting into more albums, they started just pulling rappers from all over the place. Yeah. But they, there was a guy named... I think that that's his full name, was Deltron 3000. He went by Del in the Gorillaz. Um, and so the way that they rapped kind of reminded me of that. So, all in all, I thought it was pretty cool. I liked the lyrics. Like, lyrically, I thought it was actually really well done. It was a lot better than what... I think most modern rap lyrics are. Yeah. Because most modern rap lyrics I do not so, care for. So let's... I, I, I'll dive a little bit. So the Fugees consist of three artists. Right. Uh, and I'll kind of describe them for you so you can put names with faces. Lauren Hill, she's the woman. She's the female. I'm on there. So obviously. Yeah. Then you have two male two male voices. Mm -hmm. One is Wyclef Jean. Mm -hmm. His raps are more... Uh, he's very loose. He has that heavy Haitian accent. He okay. actually is a Haitian immigrant. He okay. uh, immigrated with his parents from Haiti in uh, when he was nine years old. All right. And then his cousin, Proswell. He's kind of the deeper voiced of the two. Yeah. And his, his rhymes are a little bit tighter, a little bit more concise, a little bit more kind of a traditional. He has kind of more of a the most traditional rap style of yeah. the three of them. Okay. I think I like Wyclef then, out of the three of them, because that, that guy, I was like, this sounds pretty cool. Yeah, and he is primarily, um, he's very much credited as being the, kind of the leader musically. He per wrote and produced a lot of the music that you hear. Hmm. He was uh, started playing guitar when he was like nine or ten years old. Okay. And so a lot of those, when you hear just like an acoustic guitar line or a bass line, a lot of that's him playing. He okay. wrote he wrote most of the music okay um oh you were talking about the lyrically yeah that is one of the things that are very cool about the fujis i think a lot of times people have a common perception of hip-hop and rappers of it being uh unintelligent or maybe uh just crass yeah whereas these guys are not, they are rapping intelligently. They want you to know how intelligent they are. Yeah. Um, they're, you know, they're talking about lines like Lauren Hill has one in Zealots and she goes, uh, I'm sipping mango juice under Polaris. Yeah. <laughs> you know, they're talking about uh, intergalactic stuff in this, this song. Yeah. And all of their rhymes are very, they're kind of like surgical with their rhyming they're really it was pretty great yeah the flow of all like their of their i don't know of their bars their stanzas i don't know if there's hip-hop terms and like normal music terms i'm just gonna yeah. call them stanzas just as i think far they as, just call them bars okay yeah how how they were able to just i don't know i, I really enjoyed the flow of how they rapped I thought it was very cool. Yeah, it's very unique. It's very individual. It's not a lot of, you know, I'm not going to say they never swear. Yeah. It's not a lot of swearing. Yeah, it's not, not a lot. lot of big words. You know what I mean? Yeah. Not a lot of ends in there. Just, yeah. they happen. But you very clearly get the idea that they're trying to tell you, you can be very intelligent and still rhyme. Yeah. Um, and still rap and have it sound cool and sound good. And 
a lot of their songs are them just kind of dunking on other rappers. Like, look how <laughs> nice I am with my crazy rhymes. Yeah. Well, and two, if, <laughs> part of the reason that I don't like rap usually is, and maybe I'm just not hearing the good rap. I don't know. Maybe I'm just hearing the crap rap. Yeah. But, like, the the lyrics are generally very vulgar and very profane, and a lot of times it just seems lazy to me. Sure. Like, like you throw in profanities to add more syllables so that it, you know, hits your, um, hits the amount of syllables that you need to fit the stanza or whatever. Well, and I see how it comes across as that, and I think a lot of times it's more so... It's just people being honest and... Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not and, saying that the Fugees did that at all. No, I, not I'm at saying hip-hop in general. Yeah. I think a lot of times that is a perception of it. And I think it's fairly... I think it's uh, earned fairly, uh, just to put that out. But they definitely wanted to do something different. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to hit you with a little bit of crazy knowledge. So... Okay. Uh, Blunted on Reality. That's their, that's their, first, that's their first album. Yeah. Oh, what did you think about that one? That album was much more raw. Holy crap, the yeah. energy in that album. It just starts and it doesn't stop. Dude, that album I love is it feels so much. It feels so fun. Yeah. It feels so fun. Yeah. Um, it's all over the place. It's their first big album. Mm-hmm. They recorded that in 1992. Didn't get released till 1994. Were they, um, were they having like production issues? I believe it was label? something with a record label. Okay. In 1992, when they recorded that, Lauren Hill was 17 years old. Wow. She was in high school. Wow. When the score came out in mm-hmm. 1996 is when it was released. Oh, so she, she was had 19? been in college. She was uh uh like a freshman. 21. Or... Oh, like okay. 20, 21. Okay, so she was and like a she had she was then. doing she was in college at the time. She yeah. had done about a year of college and then after the score oh, okay sold a couple million copies she decided to quit school i mean makes sense why <laughs> also during during the score during the recording as yeah. they were recording that proswell he attended yale and rutgers for a double major in psychology and uh philosophy that's so cool so these are they really they truly are very educated people who came from you know, they all came from like the Newark, New Jersey area, which is a yeah. very rough place to this day. Absolutely, yeah. But yeah, I liked on Blunted on Reality. It's it's a lot more fun. It's a lot more high energy. It is it a lot more is. raw. Yeah, and and it shows. Like I said, Lauren Hill and Proswell are probably seventeen, eighteen, recording that. Wyclef's a little bit older. Yeah. Um, and so it feels very young, and. It doesn't deal with as many heavy subjects as the score does. Yeah. The score is very much a commentary on black culture and the lives they were living at the time and where they came from. Yeah. And really kind of confronts a lot of the issues that they were dealing with at the time. I think the tone definitely feels more serious on, yeah. on the score. Um, they used the Godfather font for the cover, mm-hmm. which <laughs> like I just saw that. I'm like, hey, it's a Godfather font. It's like one of my favorite movies. Um, tied for the last in Mohican. Don't know why, but those are my top two. Yeah, no, we I, discussed I, it. I haven't seen either of them. Y- so. you, okay, they're going to be on here. It's going to happen. <laughs> well, I think uh, we discussed me uh, watching them both and then breaking the tie oh, for you. yes, yes, Attempting yes. to su- yeah. suede you one way or the other. Yep. Yeah, that, yes, we're going to have to do that. Okay. But yeah, it definitely seemed more, it, it seemed like they had more to say on the score and again i didn't really like super deep dive into the meaning behind any of the lyrics i didn't look into what was going on at the time yeah so i have no context of of what the lyrics are for or or about but it just the tone of it seemed more mature It it seemed more subdued and i mean that in a good way i think that i liked the score more it was tight is polished yeah Honestly, if the first album I had listened to was Blunted on Reality, mm-hmm. I don't know that I would have fallen in love with them so much. Yeah, Blunted on Reality, to me, sounded like, with a couple of exceptions here and there, sounded like a long track. Yeah. Like, if I were to listen to it, fall asleep, and then wake up, I don't know how many songs have passed. 
and I can't tell what song I'm in. Exactly. Just, there's not... just immediately listening to it, you know, without... Sure, there's a lot that kind of follow a similar pattern. Yeah. Um, sonically, yeah. anyway. And it's not bad. It's just very familiar. Exactly. And thing. many of their... They kind of use the same cadences, the mm-hmm. same lyrical styling over that whole album. Yeah. Whereas on the score, each track tells its own story, yeah. has its own vibe, yep. has its own feeling. As I, I kind of picked out five songs for you yeah. when we discussed this. I was like, I really want you to listen to these ones. Yeah. And once I left, I was like, yeah, I should have just said, hey, just listen to the score. Listen to all of it because every single one of those tracks I love for a different reason. Yeah. I, I think that I liked the score more. Um, I found myself going back to the score when I was when I was thinking I should listen to this more so that we could talk about it better. Mm-hmm. I would go back to the score. Yeah, I think it's easy. It's an easier listen too. And I, I think that that was also done purposely. I think that they threw in some a, a little hint of different genres here and there and made it more approachable to yeah. um, to a wider audience. Yeah, so, to people like me, for example, <laughs> would make it a little bit more appealing to. to people who don't listen to rap at all. Well, and I would like to point out, so Blunted on Reality, mm-hmm. not a huge commercial success. Virtually no commercial success. Well, how did that... Really think about it. How but it that... was an underground success. People okay. in the hip-hop community yeah. loved that loved album. It. I was going to ask how it compared to stuff that was coming out at the time. Because it sounds yeah. like the score really stood out when it compare when you compare it to things that are coming out at the time in the same genre yeah the score the is still genre. one of the greatest selling out best-selling albums of all time yeah huge that one was, it was huge it came out they won a number of grammys sold something like five million copies it was huge that's nuts i would like to point out though with that album there was four basically four hits that came out of it fuji mm-hmm. la which is la 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 yeah la, la, la. that one's entirely their own but okay. Killing Them Softly? Yeah. That's a cover. Yep. Ready or Not? Ready or Not was a cover. Ready or Not? That's a cover. Yeah. No Woman, No Cry. Obviously a cover. Was it a cover? So three of the four major successes on that albums, on on that album, were essentially covers or not even necessarily a cover, but reimagining of songs. Yeah, they kind of sampled the hooks, right? Sampled them, made them their own. Yeah. It goes to show like how musically sensible they were. Yeah. And actually, uh, Ready or Not, they didn't want to put that on the album. Lauren Hill and Wyclef were like, they didn't want that on the album. Hmm. Proswell had to kind of talk them into it. Why did they not want it on the album? I couldn't tell you. Okay. But that was what I read is that he kind of thought they put that on, and that was one of the biggest hits on there. Hmm. So they kind of have this dynamic where, you know, Lauren Hill's obviously... She's the singer of yeah. the group. She's super talented singer. I don't um, think that she, and, she really shines as much at all in the first album. No. Uh, like, she she really, really comes out in the second album. Yeah, as, and, a, as a superstar. Yeah. Wyclef, generally credited as the musical mastermind. Okay. Lauren Hill played a large role in the music, though, as well. Yeah. Proswell doesn't really get enough credit, but he's really a producer. That's yeah. that's his that's his strength, and so the three of them come together. They made something truly. They made a good team. Yeah, yeah, they made an awesome team. Yeah, I think it's neat that they chose to just do two albums. I I did like a little Wikipedia dive on them because I just mm-hmm. wanted to know a little bit more about them, and they're like, yeah, they made two, and then they decided to do solo careers. Like all of them decided to oh, do solo oh, careers. Let's get into a little Fuji's history. Okay, I'm ready. All right, hit me with it. So. Originally, Proswell, Lauren Hill, they knew each other in high school. Okay. There was a third person they started a, a group with, and uh, I believe it was another female. Okay. Perhaps another guy. I'm not sure. And they started a group called the Translator Crew. Okay. And their idea was to rap and rhyme in other languages as well as English. That's interesting. Um, I guess for whatever reason that ended up morphing the person left the group and they brought in Praz's cousin, Wyclef. Okay. And once again, they're in high school. Yeah. As they're doing this, I believe Wyclef's probably a little bit older. So as they're, you know, I'm not sure exactly when it struck up, if it was before 
uh, Blunted, the Blunted album. Mm-hmm. But at some point, Wyclef and Lauren Hill started having a relationship. Okay. An on-again, off-again relationship. The main problem with this being Wyclef's married. Uh, uh, <laughs> and, and, and he's the older and so, one. And so he's and having... she's 17. And he's having an on-again, off-again relationship with his bandmate. Yeah. Who's also not his wife. You know, so not only is he, the whole time he wife. is cheating on his wife <laughs> and they, they call it an on again, off again relationship. And then you find out that they're having a relationship while he's also married. So okay. this went on for years. And apparently, uh, even during the recording of the score. And apparently during the recording of the score, things really came to a head and started getting really bad. There were certain points where Lauren wouldn't come to the recording studio unless Wyclef wasn't there and kind of left wow. Proz in the middle to play uh, to play like a mediator between play the, two? the mediator between the two of them. There's in the one track I wanted to listen to have you listen to manifest. Yeah, that's the one. It's really dark. Mm-hmm. She has a, her entire verse. We can't say for sure is presumably about her relationship with Wyclef the lines are essentially some of them are I loved hard once but the love wasn't returned I found out the man I died for he wasn't even concerned he stole the heart beating from my chest I tried to call the cops that type of thief they can't arrest and the the rap ends with her her verse ends with um Paints press will lead to cardiac arrest diamonds deserve diamonds he convinced me I was worth less I was contemplating death with the Gillette. Huh. So, I mean, it's... If wow. you go back and listen to the that's, manifest that's one... That's really dark. That whole that's verse really <laughs> is presumably about Wyclef. Because, keep in mind, she's probably 19, 20 yeah. when she's writing this. Yeah. And he was the man she had been having an on-again, off-again relationship with. And it really drove them apart. So, yeah, towards the end recording of this, during yeah. Ready or Not... Her and Wyclef couldn't be in the same room when they were recording Ready or Not. So was it, where did that stem from, though? Was it, like, do we know if it was Wyclef, like, realizing that, like, you know, this is, I'm I'm, having an affair and it's not. I'm assuming it was probably, like, they would be good for a while and then he'd be like, oh, yeah, I have a wife. And I can only speculate, but I would assume there is probably some tension between her being like, you're telling me you love me. And want to be with me, but you're still, still married, with your wife, and you're yeah. not actually with me. Yeah. So I, I feel like that probably drove a big wedge between them. Eventually, came to a head. She started dating uh, one of Bob Marley's sons. Okay. And then shortly after that, became pregnant. Okay. So according to Wyclef's 2012 biography, he digs into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, according to him, and this is his side of the story. She told him that it was his son. Not, she told Wyclef? Yeah, that okay. it was his son. Because I guess there wasn't much, there was a little bit of overlap, or maybe it was a short time between the last time they were together and she had yeah. started dating the new guy. Okay. Led him on to believe it for months. Until when she was in labor in the hospital, he got on a plane and reportedly told Pete, you know, told his friends, I'm going to see my son be born. Okay. And then once he got there, she told him, it actually isn't your son. Wow. That is his. That's his. That is his. It's his part of it. Recounting of it. Okay. If that's true or not, couldn't tell you for sure. But that's how they end it. Because essentially they said, we're going to take a break. What what they told the media is, we're going to take a break. And do some solo stuff okay. while we while we're on fire. They at this point they're the the biggest hip hop group yeah. probably in the world. Yeah. And then but never happening. got back together because all that stuff's happening behind the scenes. How do you? Yeah, I mean, that makes total sense then why they didn't get back together. Like, how do you how do you recover from that? They did do a reunion tour in 2004 for uh, a program called Dave Chappelle's Block Party, where okay. Dave Chappelle essentially got a big group of different rappers and stuff like that and hip-hop artists together for concerts. Okay. I mean... That, that's heavy, though. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's and, that's a lot. And once they started doing their solo projects, it went really well. I Wyclef think all three had of them a were lot, successful. Wyclef they? had a whole lot of success as a rapper. Yeah, as an as a solo artist. Mm-hmm. Proswell not so much because once again he's a really great producer. He went on to do a lot of producing. Yeah, I think that I read that he produced for like Santana and other, you know, other big yeah, a lot of hip hop artists and yeah. stuff. His one hit he did have was "Ghetto Superstar." I hate that. If song. you remember that song, I hate that song. So so that much. was going solo. That was his. He did a spot in the movie Mystery Men. That was, Who was his, he in that Mystery was his, Men? I couldn't tell you, but that was his. Uh, Acting debut. acting debut so he's done a little bit of acting and producing in movies who would he have been he's in mystery he's man. kind of behind the scenes he never really hit it big as a solo artist lauren hill in 1998 released an album called the miseducation of lauren hill eclipsed the score entirely she won best artist that year at the grammys uh she won five grammys whereas the score only won three Jeez. Sold a whole lot more albums. She was the biggest star to come out of the Fugees. Hmm. That was the last album she ever made. There's a lot of reports that she really had a lot of problems with the music industry. Yeah. And you can kind of hear that in like Some Seek Stardom from their first album. Yeah. Where she's really shining a light. You can kind of see the... She came into it already at, you know, 17, 18 with a very negative view of pop pop stardom yeah. and stuff like that seemed like that from the from the lyrics so apparently she really it's not that she didn't love making music she just really didn't like all the grimy parts that seemed to come with it yeah it is also important to note she had five kids you know Holy and she smokes. wanted to take a break and when somebody asked her about it she didn't say it's because i hate the music industry she said i want to raise my kids yeah so it's probably a little bit somewhere a mixture of the both. Um, but yeah, that's kind of, huh. they just kind of petered out. And for years, people were waiting for them to get back together. And eventually people just moved on. Yeah. Started talking about other people. Other things. But those those albums live on in, in the they, hearts and minds of young white boys in the suburbs <laughs> like me. Just like we us. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they were very good. I don't know if I will go back to the first album. There That's are a couple. Fair. There are a couple songs like I really liked uh, "Temple" from the first album. I love "Temple," and I really liked "Vocab." Yeah, from the first album, those two really jumped out to me. "Vocab" is very cool because it's just it's just the, the entire song is just that guitar. Yeah, boom, boom, boom. Yeah, it was super cool, and, and I liked that they so things like that kind of broke and maybe i like vocab because to me it kind of broke the monotony of the rest of the album yes like it, like it stood out for me just because it didn't have um similar beats or cadences or you, you know it felt like it was an individual among the rest of the album again not that it was bad it was just very uniform exactly across. i've been listening to a lot of fuji since i you know <laughs> asked you to because i was yeah. like i want to make sure i I'm back in that vibe. Yeah. Because for a long time, I had this on CD. Mm-hmm. That's how I found this album. I got it on a CD, um, and I just started listening to it. I had no idea who the Fugees were. Yeah. And I've listened to the CD probably hundreds of times. There would go weeks where it wouldn't leave my CD player, just listening over yeah. and over again. I can, the score, I can, re- I could probably you know tell you line for line, line, for line from right. front to back the entire album isn't it great when you find an album like that like yes. like when you just all you want to do is listen to it that's why i said you know if you just asked me what's your favorite album mm-hmm. it'd be tough for me to tell you but if if i were to go purely mathematically the number of times i've listened to it i've listened to this album more times than anything else that's amazing i wouldn't have pegged that on you thor i wouldn't have love it um yeah, I wouldn't have done that at all. Did you listen to... So just because I found out that a lot of the hits from the score were covers, or at least they took samples from other songs, Yeah, I went and listened to the other songs. I wanted to hear what they sounded like. Have you, you listened think? to them at all? I, I have. It's been a long yeah. time. I know probably the most recent one I've listened to is Ready or Not. Okay. Which uh, which is an that old, song like, song is so good! It's such a good song. It is. Um, and I didn't even know that was a band called the Delphonics. <laughs> yeah. I had no idea that that band even existed. Yeah, like an old Supremes knockoff but style. Yeah, but it's like 1960s music. It's great. Mm-hmm. It's so good. 
And uh, Killing Me Softly was done by a lady named Lori Lieberman. And that was, I think that I read that was released in 1972 in her version of it. I guess some somebody else wrote it and like had their thing and then she kind of interjected and added some lyrics to it or, or sure yeah and that's did, did pretty common to, in at that point it. in time it was very common you'd yeah. have most female artists a lot of those singer songwriter well they were more so singer female artists yeah there were men who would write those songs and yeah. then they'd give it to a pretty woman to sing well it was a really cool version of the song like like really really cool it reminded me of the moody blues like if the moody blues Obviously, it's a female singer, and it's not a male singer. Moody Blues had a guy. Mm-hmm. But it seemed very similar to the Moody Blues. And I don't know if you know this about me. I fucking love the Moody Blues. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not... What, what's the song the Moody Blues do? I know the name, but Moody do Blues I know their do music? Nights in White Satin. That's probably like one oh, of their biggest okay. ones. They're like, Nights in White Satin? Yeah, that's, and, uh, a, that's yeah. a jam. Oh my gosh. That's a jam. The Moody Blues are so good. Um... They're, they're oh man they're really good they're really really good Tuesday afternoon is another Moody Blues song okay. um, the other side of life is another really really good song that's probably my favorite yeah good stuff good good stuff and they're uh, they're that song by Lori Lieberman really reminded me of that era of music and I just I just dug it that it is was just super cool honestly for me maybe that's why I like the that's part of the reason why I like their music so much. Yeah. For me, that's my era of music. 60s. Yeah. 60s, like acid rock and blues and the 60s era of rock and roll mm-hmm. into probably like the mid 70s. Before it became hair metal, hair metal, hair rock. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> up, up until Led Zeppelin in the heyday. Yeah. That's, you know, that's really my comfort zone of music I really enjoy. Yeah. And probably like punk and stuff like that as well. Yeah. yeah. Which, and that's sonically very different from Fuji's, but mm-hmm. they kind of all have a similar vibe. Yeah. Well, I, I think that that might be why I liked the second album more now that I'm reflecting out loud. They pulled a lot from older style music. Sure. And, and I do like a lot of that older style music. Well, too. and I like they also do a lot of references to music. Yeah. Uh, references to other music without actually covering it like uh fire and rain yeah uh there's you know and they'll just say parts of another song and not even to what that song sounds so she'll just be part of part of a rhyme and lauren hill goes because i've seen fire and i've seen rain and that's just part of that's just part of her verse and then she'll be rapping but she'll kind of harmonize that part they do it the i wear my sunglasses at night Okay. Um, I didn't see a, another, some, like, some of that I didn't A number catch. of other songs. It'll just be like one line from a famous song, and they'll just kind of harmonize it during their rap. They, It's not like they're covering it at all. You can tell they're very pop culture-minded. Yeah. Pop music-minded from all, from all schools of music. Although, talking about Killing Me Softly, or Killing Them Softly, I was listening to that on the way home, and I had it turned up real loud. Yeah. That song is, I mean, it's obvious it's, she's an incredible singer, and that song, more than anyone, showcases her singing ability. Yeah. The way they did it, though, is so, it's so stripped down. Because it's literally, the entire song is just a drum beat going like, the same way it's just looped over and over the entire song. Okay. A very simple bass line and her voice. That's all the song is. And wow. then during the choruses, They've got they harmon- they layer. Yeah, they have her doing harmonics and they just layer her voice over and over again. And that kind of creates almost like harmonies and like yeah. a spot a guitar or keyboard would create. Yeah. And then you have just Wyclef popping in one time, one what? time. <laughs> and... It's so stripped down, but when you actually hear it, unless you're really paying attention to it, it doesn't sound doesn't stripped sound that down way. because of the way it's produced and the way it's put together. The harmonies, I think, in that album were great. Like, I, I think that that's something 
if they were to make more albums. And it sounds like they're never going to. <laughs> there was there was talks about a reunion tour in 2020 or yeah. 20, so there it might be coming. Maybe. But they've been saying that for the last 20 years, yeah. so I wouldn't hold yeah, your breath. Just, they just want to stay in the forefront of our minds. Um, like I feel like that was a really solid thing to add. I don't know if that was their idea, if it was whoever produced that album, but just adding the melodic parts to their music, yeah. I think was great. And those are all the ones that, once again, those are the big hits. The yeah. parts where, because they are an, they are a fantastic hip hop uh, hip hop group. Yeah, their rhymes, uh, their Lauren Hill still probably regarded by many people is one of the greatest rappers of all time. Yeah. Her her wit, her speed, her precision, it's uncanny. Yeah. I mean, but it was really good. Being a really good rapper isn't enough to turn, you know, to get everybody in the country listening to you. Yeah. Their melodic sense, their sensibilities of and their production and the way they put songs together. That's what all those songs that were the biggest hits are all ones that had feature, singing of some yeah, sort. Yeah, feature singing. Yeah. Fair enough. No Woman No Cry was a cover and that's just why Clef the whole time. But yeah. he's he's a fair and he's a fine enough singer. Yeah. Um and I don't and of the four hits that came out of that album, that one's probably the least the least well known. Yeah. I had no idea about that song. And it's the one where they did the least changing to it it's yeah it's very much just a stripped down version with a hip-hop beat and Wyclef doing bob marley pretty much yeah. and then changing the words to relate to instead of trench town growing up in new jersey basically yeah. i mean it was it was definitely an, an interesting listen to it opened my uh horizons musically i'll probably keep the fuji's second album the score um in my back pocket for a listen to every now and then yeah and uh yeah and it got me to listen to th you know two other artists as well i got i gotta be honest i wasn't sure i was like he might not like this there were yeah there were things that i you know i'm like oh, okay i've heard enough of this song and, <laughs> <laughs> I get that. i'm moving on well, and it is very one of the things I really like about it, and I've always been a little bit fascinated, I guess, by, let's call it black culture, yeah. uh, urban culture, because mm -hmm. um, it's so different from anything I, you know, yeah. I know. Yep. And I really love this album because not only is it intelligent and well done, but it's very honest. It's yeah. just a very honest look at what life was like for three young black people growing up in one of the toughest hoods in America mm -hmm. in in at that slice of time and what it was like for them and what they were talking about. And honestly, some of the things they were talking about is still stuff people are talking about today. Yeah. It's still relevant. So I really enjoyed that, but I could see why somebody would hear that and just it's not something everybody can relate to for me it's something that fascinates me yeah but for some people i could see them being like i i can't relate to this that's a it's, big thing for me it's the same if you know if you grew up in new york city and you heard country music yeah and you're like i can't relate to this yep. so regardless of what it sounds like i can't relate so i'm just it's tough for me to tune in mm -hmm. yeah that's kind of where i fall with it yeah. It's uh, again, I can listen to it, but there's, there's, um, it kind of reminds me of, so here's, here's just a personal philosophy as far as artwork goes for me. Um, abstract art doesn't do much for me. Abstract art is stuff like, I don't know if you know who Jackson Pollock is. Sure. Um, where it's art that is just art. And there's no representation of people, or there's no representation of, of anything. It's just shapes, color, composition, squiggles, whatever you want to call it. You know, that type of stuff doesn't do much for me. 
because I can't pull from that. But if you have a really nice painting of a scene or something going on, then I can take a look at it and deep dive into what's actually happening within the artwork. I can appreciate a piece of, of artwork for its brush strokes, its composition, its color usage. But beyond that, I'm like, okay, that's nice. And then I'll move on. Like, I don't find any hidden meaning in any of Jackson Pollock's work. No, there's no right. meaning, except except he duped everyone into believing <laughs> that he was so, deep. So, so to equate that to music, right? Like, I can't find any hidden meaning or any, like, meaning really into music like what a lot of the Fugees did because I simply just don't know the world. Can't relate. Yeah. I just, it's so foreign to me. And it's not that I don't appreciate it. I can appreciate it. But I can't, I can, I can only scratch the surface of that appreciation, I feel like. I can appreciate it for what it is musically, but the content and the substance of it, I can't appreciate it. Not that I don't like it. I just don't understand it because I'm completely ignorant to it. Gotcha. Does that kind of make sense? Yeah, no, it definitely makes sense. Okay. It definitely makes sense. So it, I really wished that I would have, while I was listening to it, I remember thinking, I wish I, one, would have been old enough to understand what the hell was going on in New York in the <laughs> early 90s, all right? Because I was born in 88. So even if... Uh, yeah, when, when like, we were being born... Why Clef was already cheating on his wife with Lauren <laughs> right. Hill. Right? Like, you know, I'm just not aware of what the world state was. And they're rapping about things. And I'm like, okay, but what was the world like? And, and why are they rapping about the things that they're rapping about? Like, like I don't know the history behind any of their thought process. It doesn't, I, I can't, I can't get into that. Okay. Just because it's totally, you know, I don't have access to it. It's foreign. Yeah. yeah. So I totally appreciate it. But it's different than listening to old music and having somebody like my dad, who grew up with that old music, to tell me the context of everything that was happening in the world and why the Beatles became a hit that they were or why King Crimson were what they were. You know, I've got like a history scholar on the <laughs> subject that's raising me so I can get that background info. But I didn't have any of that while I was listening to it. Yeah, I could see that. On a side note, what did, how did you feel? Because this is something that was pretty pretty common in hip-hop in the 90s. Between most of the songs, there's little skits and stuff like that. I hate did skits. You, you hate the I skits? I hate them. Oh, dude. I hate skits. They're so good. I hate them. I forgot that skits were even a thing. Because that's the part that... That's one of those it really... You get to feel... Okay, so my favorite one in there is the guy he's like... Yo, you know Michelle Leslie Brown? Yeah, I slept with her. He's like, Michelle Leslie Brown from 225th Street? Yeah, Michelle Leslie Brown from 225th Street. Michelle Leslie Brown from 225th Street played ball in the park? Yeah, Michelle Leslie Brown, 225th Street played ball in the park. I did sleep with her. And (laughs) And then they're like, hey, there's Michelle right now. Call her over. And they're like, do you sleep with him? She's like, ew, hell no. <laughs> He's like, not that Michelle Leslie Brown from 225th Street played ball in the park. The other Michelle <laughs> Leslie Brown. <laughs> I like those because those are those things where it really gives you a glimpse into, because it's just them recording themselves talking shit and just doing yeah. like, this is something that you would hear when you're walking down the street, just hanging out. Yeah. And uh, those because a lot of them in uh, skits in hip-hop albums in the 90s and stuff, a lot of them are you know, trying to be thematic or make a, you know, try to get a specific thing across, whereas this really was very much like, it felt like they were just trying to show you this is what it's like to hang out and laugh and joke with us and the stupid stuff we talk about when we're high and yeah. hanging out. Yeah, I, I guess I can get that. To me, I was just like, "This isn't music. I wanna, I, w- I wanna <laughs> listen to music right now, guys. Like, that's what, that's what I want to do." Oh man, I love. I want to listen to music. So that's funny. You know, to, <laughs> I was like, "What is this?" I was like, "What is kinda, this?" As because I kind of forgot about that honestly yeah. when I recommended it, and then as I was listening back, I was like, "He's gonna hate it or I, he's gonna love it." I did. I was not a fan. I was not a fan. To each his own. I'm sure it's great. Not for me. 
it's certainly a trend that I think has fallen out of favor. Maybe, once again, maybe it's still very much in fashion in hip-hop. Yeah. Couldn't tell you. I do remember skits, though, in, like, the random every now and then when I listened to an, a rap album with a friend of mine who loved rap music and I was in, stuck in the car and I couldn't get out of it, there were skits. Like, it reminded me that I hated yeah. skits it was kind on of, rap albums. It was kind of par for this par for the course yeah. at that point in time. Yeah. Also that was in a, at a time when there was also entire albums made of skits like The Jerky Boys and Adam Sandler. Right. Yeah, see, I would I would be okay with Adam Sandler because I know what I'm getting into. Like I like I kind of have an idea of Adam Sandler as a comedian. Yeah. There's going to be some comedy, there's going to be some comedic music. Like I'm aware of what I'm getting into. Yeah. I, I guess like, how would you feel if Metallica did that? But Metallica's like, probably not funny. Probably like, not. They're probably not funny I at mean, all. No. Yeah. Like, okay, but like, that's that's kind of what I mean. Like, I'm I want to listen to a music album, or I want to listen to an album. All right, I feel like listening to to metal music, or I feel like listening to rap music right now. That's what I want to listen to. I don't want to listen to some people just talking about some lady from 225th Street that I don't know. And they may or may not have slept with them or the other one. You know, that doesn't, that doesn't help me. That doesn't help me get my jam on. No, it does not. Not at no. all. So it kind of breaks it up. Yeah, it's a weird trend. I don't know yeah. who started it or why they started it. But. Yeah. Again, this is coming from somebody who has no experience in that culture <laughs> at all whatsoever. So it's just... Again, totally foreign. It's just not for me. Oh, not for me. If you like skits, that's great. If if you're yelling at me and you're like skits are 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 like a, a cornerstone in the rap <laughs> they're community, the cornerstone. <laughs> like I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It just it just doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of skit albums, Norm Macdonald has a skit skit album. You can find some of them online. They're hilarious. You got to get across those when you get a chance. <laughs> okay. There's a great one. It's him I mean, and uh, Will Ferrell. Norm Macdonald is just hilarious. It's, it's one of Norm Macdonald and Will Ferrell, and they're playing the first two gay men. Okay. <laughs> it's great. It's Norm Macdonald was really good at making people uncomfortable with his comedy. Dude, he's the best. Yeah, he he's was the, really good. He's the best. Well, dude, um, this has been good. This has been a good episode. I really, I did really enjoy listening to it, and I'll I'll phrase it that way very specifically. I enjoyed listening to the music. <laughs> Good. Um, yeah. Second album will probably go on my playlist every maybe like once a year type of thing. Let's see. First album probably not so much. Yeah. Maybe one or two songs. And honestly, yeah, that's why I was a little bit lighter yeah. on that because that's how I feel about it. There's a few songs, the ones I said I suggested to you, Temple, yeah, Some Seek Stardom, The Giggles, things like that. And most of them are the ones that aren't, they're, they're outside of the rest of the albums. They kind of sound similar. So I'm kind of in the same camp with that. Yeah. Um, I probably listened to the score about 10 times in the last two weeks. <laughs> I've listened to Blunted maybe twice. Maybe twice. So just because it is, it's a little bit tougher, but <clears throat> awesome. I'm glad, yeah. I'm glad you enjoyed it. You didn't hate it. I did not hate concerned. it. I so, certainly did not. No. And, and again, it expanded my horizons. I appreciate that at the very least. Very cool. So what am I, what am I in for, for our next episode? All right. So we're, we're jumping into the podcast territory. Um, it's very different culture, what you're going to be experiencing next. Going from, was it Harlem? Going from the streets of Harlem to some fucking place in the United Kingdoms. All right. We've got two British comedians that are doing a podcast. One of them, totally, 100%, very uh, non comedically, totally serious, absolutely believes in the paranormal. Every single thing about the paranormal. Like, okay. You could, you could read him something that you saw online just about some fucking ghost doing some stupid thing. Be total bullshit. And he would just buy it 100%. His name is Barry Dodds. He's paired up with another guy. Um, he goes by either Ray Peacock or Ian Baldsworth. He's got like a stage name. I'm not sure which one's the real name. Okay. But this guy unequivocally 
does not believe in any of it. Like, not at all. The purpose of the podcast, it's called The Parapod. The purpose of the podcast is for Barry Dodd, the believer, to convince Ray Peacock, the skeptic, that all of the paranormal stuff is real. And Ray Peacock is not having any of it. <laughs> it's So it's just two British comedians. One's trying to convince the other that the paranormal is real. And the other guy tries to find faults in the logic and totally make fun of the other one. That's huh. that's the episode. So I, I would recommend the first two because the first one, they kind of like shoot the shit for a little bit and talk about what the podcast is going to be about. And then they talk about, they call it a haunting. And... Um, and then the second episode is much more akin to like what a standard episode would be. Okay. So yeah, listen to the two first episodes or two episodes of the Parapod. Um, they've gone on to make a movie from this whole thing, too. Okay. Yeah, it's really okay. weird. So you have to let me know what you think. Um, right. So next week. Next uh, week. The Parapod. The Parapod. Listen to the first two episodes. Um, it's a little old now. It's it's a couple years old, so you might have to scroll back a bit um, if you find them. But they're on basically any any streaming like podcast service. Apple Apple's what is Apple now? Is it just I think Apple it's Music? just Apple Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, or Apple Music, Spotify. Like yeah. They're on they're on all that stuff. Cool. So all right, well Thor, it's been a good episode. Another episode in the books. Yep. All right, man. Yep. We'll catch you next week. As always, peace. Stay wrecked. Stay wrecked.